You're listening to a presentation of The Rising. We're a real church for real people where you can belong before you believe. We're always honored to hear how God is working in your life through this ministry. If you have a story you'd like to share with us, hit us up at wearetherising.com or on Facebook or Instagram. Finally, if you'd like to invest in what God's doing through this church, you can always give online through our site. Thanks again for tuning in and get ready. Lean forward with an expectant attitude to hear a message from God's Word. Well, here we are. It's daylight savings time. And uh, you guys did not let an hour loss of sleep keep you from church. Y'all give it up for yourself. That's a good thing. You're the troopers. You're the ones who suck it out. You'll notice that some people might come in at, at 11 o'clock. That's okay. Just um, don't look at them, right? Just, we just want to chill them. Hey, would you, would you pray with me real quick? God, I want to thank you so much for what you're about to do in this place. We didn't come here out of religious obligation or duty. We came here to meet with you, to convene with you, to hear a word from you. And God, I pray that you would open up our hearts, open up our minds to hear from you. And because of what we hear from your operator's manual, from your truth, from your word. God, may we forever be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we are um, in the second week of this series, The Thin Red Line, and uh, we are unapologetically going on this journey to discover what it means to be a man. And, And not just what it means to be a man, but what it means to be a good man. Because the world needs some more good men. Are you with me? So we're figuring out what, what does it mean to be a good man. And this is a series, uh, n- not just for men, it's also a series for ladies as well. For, for every lady who has to interact with a man. If you're married to a man, you're dating a man, you're raising a son who's going to become a man. This is a series for you as well. Because uh, here's what I know about you. You want the men in your world, the men that you interact with, to have their crap together. And so uh, that's why uh, this is great for you so that you can bring those men to be here and you can better understand um, these men in your life. But uh, last week we said what we need to do if we're going to become good men is we need to redefine what a good man really is. And the way that we redefine what a good man is is we look at uh, the operator's manual. We, We look back to God's word because for so many of us guys, the way that we've uh, come up to, to this idea of, of becoming a good man is, is we, we've taken bits and pieces from culture and society and TV and movies and books and, and growing up in our family. We've said, based on all these different things that I've kind of cobbled together, I've, I've pieced together what I think is a good man, but, but for so many of us, we've fallen short. And so we said, we need to redefine what a good man is by looking back at the operator's manual. And we're in this season right now, because here's, here's what so many of us do when it comes to our manhood. We're in this season right now where um, grass is beginning to wake up from its hibernation, and, and it's starting to grow now. So we're in this season where it's time to start cutting the grass. Has anybody cut their grass yet? Yeah, I hate cutting grass. Like, I'm waiting as long as I can to cut it. The problem with that, though, is that it grows too long, and so then it stops up my lawnmower. But I hate cutting the grass because it, it just takes so long. And I have a push mower. I think maybe if I had a riding mower, it'd be a lot more fun and it would, it would be a, a lot less time. But I hate cutting the grass. And, and I don't know if you've ever thought of this. I'm not saying I've thought of it maybe once or twice. Um, but a push mower has a blade uh, on the underside of it that spins around to cut the grass. And um, I'm not saying I've ever thought about this. But if you turn the lawnmower over, see, see there's another machine that has a blade that spins around. It's a helicopter, and it flies. And um, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, 
But if you turn the lawnmower over and, and have it spinning, do you think it would fly? Or is it just me? Okay, again, I, I've never thought about that. And I've never, maybe I tried it once. But if you did that with a lawnmower, if you turned it around and you, and, and you turned it on and that blade was spinning, that'd be a dangerous thing, right? Because that could lead to injury for sure or death. And actually, if you look in the operator's manual of a lawnmower, or if you look in the operator's manual of, of almost any machine, any tool, you'll probably see a line that says something like this. This is for almost any machine, any tool. Improper use of this machine can lead to death and or injury. If you turn a lawnmower over and try and use it like a helicopter, somebody's dying, right? The same is true for manhood, for, for so many of us, we've misused and abused our masculinity and our manhood so that it's, it's wounded some people. We've been wounded by some people who have misused and abused their masculinity. Uh, so sometimes because we misuse and abuse our masculinity, it's caused death, d death of relationships, death of potential, death of influence. And, and this is how many men operate. We misuse and abuse uh, who God created us to be and the operator's manual, God's word, lets us know how we should be as men, but when we misuse and abuse it, it can cause death and injury. But, but sometimes what we do with our masculinity, with our masculinity is we underutilize it, right? And, and for so many men, what happens is, is we trade in what true masculinity is for something less. And so when we do that, we become weak and ineffective and sterile and impotent. I mean, not, not literally, but maybe literally. I, I, I don't know your life like that. But... When we underutilize our masculinity, we become weak, ineffective men. And so what we're trying to figure out throughout the series is how do we become the men God has called us to be. And, and here's why we misuse and abuse our masculinity. Here's why we often underutilize our masculinity. is because there's, there's two deals on the table. And at some point in our life, and, and we do this multiple times, at some point in our life, we make a bad exchange. We say, if this is what it means to be a man, based on God's operator's manual, if this is what it means to be a man, and we look at that and we say, man, that's so hard, that's so difficult, that's really tough, I don't know if I want to do that, so what I'll do instead is I'll exchange God's truth for something else, and that will be my definition of a man. And we misuse and abuse and underutilize our masculinity because we made a bad exchange. I want to I show you what I mean by reading from this letter that the Apostle Paul, this uh, early Christian who started churches all over the Roman world, uh, wrote to these Roman Christians 2,000 years ago. See, see here, here's what we need to understand in what we're about to read. Um, anything in the scriptures, when it's written, it's written to real people in real places at real times, right? And so these are real people who are being written to. They're facing something, um, a, a, a real situation, and they're living in a certain time. And so it's written to real people, real places, real time. But because of what we believe about the scriptures, not only is the truth found in the scriptures applying to them, but it also applies to us. Like it transcends them and is written to us as well. So as we read through this, I don't want you to think that this is just for Italians who lived 2,000 years ago, but, but this is for us here and now. And so Paul is writing um, to the church in Rome, and in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, here's, here's what he says. He says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people. Let me, let me just pause there because that, that's a little scary, right? 
He says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against the wickedness and godlessness of people. That's terrifying. And the reason why it's terrifying is because it's true. See, I don't know, I don't know the image that you have of God. Um, sometimes people have this image of God that he's this police officer who just wants to strike them down. He's just waiting for them to mess up. God is this, this Catholic nun who's waiting to, to hit your hands with a ruler. Like for some people, this is who God is, but, but, but that's not a full picture of God. And, and then some people have this idea and image of God that, that he's loving and kind and compassionate and caring, and that's all he is. And he is all those things, but that's not just all that he is. See, God is almighty. God is bigger than we could ever imagine. God is glorious and great and, and infinite, right? This is how God is. God is, is this, this being to whom Moses, God's servant, says, here's what I want. God says, what do you want from me? And Moses says, the thing that I want most is to see you in all of your glory. And God says, you can't see me in all my glory. Like, you can't see me face to face. Because if you saw me for how great and glorious I am, you'd die, so God says, here's what I'll do. Moses, I'll put you in this cave. I'll cover the cave and I'll walk by and you can see where I was. That's the best I can do because if you saw me, you'd die. This, this is how great and glorious God is. Isaiah, this Old Testament prophet, catches a glimpse of God in this vision. He sees God seated high on the throne and when he sees him, he drops to his knees and he says, woe is me. He said, I'm a man undone. I'm ruined because I've seen God and I'm going to die. And then he, he says, the reason is because he's so holy and he's so great and I'm a man of unclean lips. I've messed up. I don't deserve to be in his presence. God is so great. God is so glorious that Paul the same guy who's writing to the church in Rome, he, he writes in Hebrews chapter 10. He says, it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. See, God is holy and great and glorious. And when we stand in his presence, it's not like Jesus is my homeboy. Jesus is my buddy, right? It's like, no, this is the God of all creation. This is the God who spoke all things into existence. This is the God who's separate from sin and he can have nothing to do with sin. The scriptures define God as an all-consuming fire. That's scary. And we need to understand just how great God is so that we don't miss how great God's grace is. See, here's, here's what the operator's manual teaches us, that each and every one of us, you and I, are guilty of sin. Each and every one of us at some point in our life have said, God, we're going to go our own way instead of your way. And because of that, it's caused regret, it's caused shame, it's caused hurt, it's caused pain in our life. At some point in our life, we made a bad exchange. We said, God, instead of following you, I'm going to follow me. And when we do that, that's sin. And the scriptures teach us that because of sin, we deserve death. Like we deserve to be separated from God because God is holy. He can have nothing to do with sin. And, and the scripture says that, that God's wrath, we just read it right here, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of us, of us. I don't know about you, but I got some godlessness and wickedness in my life. There's some things that I've done I'm not proud of. There's some things in my life that I've done that don't line up with God's word. In the operator's manual, God's word says that his wrath is being poured out. It's coming at me. But this is how great the cross is. See, you've heard the song Amazing Grace. 
It says, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I, I, I never want to talk to people about how bad they are. But I think we need to understand just how bad we are so that we can see just how powerful the cross is. See, see you and I have sinned. We've fallen short of God's glory. We don't deserve his forgiveness. We don't deserve his love at all. Sometimes people ask the question, how come bad things happen to good people? That's a bad question, because there are no good people. The scripture teaches that you and I are guilty of sin. As people who are guilty of sin, we are lawbreakers. We owe a debt to God, and our sin deserves death. And it's like God's wrath is coming pouring at us. It's like this, this wall of water coming to consume us. This, this unquenchable fire that's like pouring out on us, right? But this is what's so great about the cross. Because here's what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. God saw the problem we have, this sin problem, this brokenness, this wretchedness that we were in. And he said, I'll provide the solution. And so Jesus was born a virgin. He lived a perfect life, a life you and I can't live. And then he went to the cross to die the death we deserve. And it's like God's wrath is pouring out on us. God's wrath is hurtling towards us to consume us and destroy us. But Jesus on the cross stands before us and says, I will take the punishment for you. You don't need to receive the wrath of God. Because I'll pay that penalty for you. And this is what Jesus did for us on the cross. So when we talk about the cross and this event that happened 2,000 years ago, what we're saying is that, that Jesus took our sin and our shame and our regret and our, our wretchedness on himself and said, I will pay the penalty for you so that you can be forgiven and made whole with God. And the way that we accept that gift is by believing that Jesus died for us on the cross. By believing that he rose again from the dead and, and, and coming to grips with, I didn't deserve forgiveness, but God gave it to me so freely. And that changes everything. See, if you believe you're a good person, the cross won't mean much to you. Because you'll just be like, yeah, I mean, this will help me out in my life. But if you just really understand, man, I, I'm unworthy. I deserve death then the cross is a life, a life ring to you. The, the cross is everything to you. And so we believe that Jesus died for us on the cross, that he rose again from the dead. And because we believe that, we say, God, I want to follow you. I want to stop making a bad exchange. I want to give you my life. And I want to I live out what your operator's manual says. And I want to meet you in the waters of baptism to have my sins washed away. And so that your spirit will come live inside of me. Th this is how we accept the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus that he gives us on the cross. And I, I don't know if you've ever made the decision to go all in with Jesus. Maybe you've heard about it. Maybe you've, you've, you've heard that, yeah, God loves you. And, 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 but, but you've never made the decision to say, Jesus, I'm going all in with you and I'm going to live for you. Because you paid the penalty of my sin on the cross. If you've never made that decision, can I invite you to do that right now? When you came in, there were note cards on your chairs. On the bottom of those note cards is a connect card, and there's a box that says, I want to know more about baptism. Would you mark that box? Drop it off at the black tables. We've got some people there who would love to talk to you about that decision. 
pray for you, and just talk to you about getting baptized. I think the next time we're going to do baptisms is April 5th when we move to our new place at Maker's Craft. But it's going to be a great day. And if you've never made the decision to say yes to Jesus, today is the day. Because here's the deal. Everything else we're going to talk about in this series, everything else I'm going to teach you, like you can do it and it will help you in your life. But if you don't have Jesus as the center of your life, none of it matters. Right? So, so Paul says in Romans 1.18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people. But the good news, man, the good news is that Jesus steps in the way of that wrath by dying on the cross so we could be forgiven. Then he goes on, he says this, um, and, and, and let me say this about God's wrath before I move on. Um, God's wrath is, is punishment for our sin, and again, Jesus takes that punishment for us. But what we know about God is that he's our loving Heavenly Father. And, and as a dad, I, I think I kind of understand just a small glimpse of how God's wrath is, because I got kids who experience some of my wrath at times. They experience some punishment for some of the things that they do. There's consequences for their actions. But when they get punished, like that punishment is mixed with grief, right? Like, like when I punish my kids, it's not because I enjoy it. When God, when God pours out, it, it, it's not because he enjoys punishing people, but it's like mixed with grief and it's mixed with this, like, oh, I, I wish I didn't have to do this. But you have to face the consequences of your actions. And, and when God's wrath comes on, it, it's like, if you just listened, there's a better way. It doesn't have to be this way. So God is our Heavenly Father. He doesn't enjoy punishing people. He doesn't enjoy pouring out His wrath on people. That's why He gives us Jesus on the cross, to take that wrath away. But it's also mixed with grief and like, ah, oh man, there's just a better way if you would stop making a bad exchange and follow the operator's manual. So... He says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of, of us, people, who suppress the truth by their wickedness. It, this idea of suppressing the truth by our wickedness is we say, okay, here, here's what's true. I know that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set it over here and follow my own truth. I'm going to do my own thing, right? So I know what's true, but instead of living by what's true, I'm just going to do my own thing. And we do this all the time. We come to church and say, I, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? But, but, but even though we love Jesus, we say, I'm going to set the operator's manual aside and do my own thing. I'm going to live by my own truth. Who, who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since, since what may be known about God is plain to them, again, not, not Italians 2,000 years ago, but, but to us, God has also made it plain to us. Then God has made his truth plain to us through his word, through the operator's manual. And so if you say, well, that's your truth and that's my truth and that's their truth and that's it, fine. I mean, you're making a bad exchange. There's only one truth that shows us how to really live and be the men God has called us to be, to be the women God has called you to be. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. This, this is the idea that we, we can just look around at the world and how the world works, and we can know what truth is because when our beliefs and feelings smack into reality, what's true will stay standing. And so you, you may believe some things, you may feel some things, but, but when it interacts with reality, when, when it, it interacts with how the world works, if it stays standing, that's what's true. If it falls flat, that's not true. 
And so some of us have made a bad exchange where we say, I know this is true, but I'm going to operate in my own truth. And it's not really working for me, but it's all I know and it's all I'm embracing. So I'll just keep doing it. And, and God's saying, no, no, there, there's a truth that you have to embrace. And we know that truth, and it says, so that people are without excuse. So that people are without excuse. If you look at your life and you're like, how come it sucks? It's because you made a bad exchange. When you live out the truth of God's operator's manual, you'll see that things begin to go well for you. And there's no excuse for you not to know. Like, you can't blame your mom, you can't blame your dad, you can't blame society, you can't blame how you, how you grew up. It says that God has made his truth plain to us so that we're without excuse. Do, do you know what you call somebody who doesn't have an excuse? Accountable. Accountable. We, we're accountable for our life. And men, here's, here's the problem for so many of us, we've become victims. And we've blamed other people for why we are the way that we are. Well, my wife, and you don't understand how she is, no, you're accountable. Well, I didn't grow up with a dad, and because of that, I don't really know what a good man looks like. It doesn't matter. God has made his truth plain to you. You're accountable. Men, we have to take responsibility of our lives. How many of us, I mean, if you just took responsibility for your life, what would change in your life? That would solve a lot of the world's problems if people just took responsibility. But so often we blame our boss, we blame our work, we blame society, we blame our family, we blame our past, our history, whatever it is. But men, we have to take responsibility. This is your life. God has entrusted you with some people to care for. You cannot be a victim. You can't lay down and die. It's time to stand up, rise up, and stop making a bad exchange. So we got to return to the operator's manual. Here, here's, here's what he says. He says, for although we knew God, we neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him, but our thinking became futile and our foolish hearts darkened. Again, this is the bad exchange. Although we knew God, although we knew what was true, we said, no, I'm going to follow my own truth. And we do this all the time. When you do this, this is what leads you to stuckness in your life. If you feel stagnant, if you feel like there's no traction in your life, if you just feel like you're barely making it, if you're living this hopeless life, it's because at some point we've made a bad exchange, exchanging the truth of God for a lie. He goes on and he says, although we claim to be wise, we became fools. And again, this isn't Italians 2,000 years ago, but it's us here and now. What you and I do so often in our lives, hey, I'm there too, is we think we're so wise, but we end up looking really foolish. What I mean is we say things like, and we don't really say these things, but we think these things. It's like, okay, God, you handle all the creation stuff. Like, you're good with all that stuff, and I'm going to let you worry about that. But I'm going to handle relationships the way I want to handle relationships. Because I think I know better than you when it comes to my relationships. God, you, you worry about the plants, rocks, birds, and trees. I'm going to handle my money the way that I think I should handle my money. Right? And so, God, you worry about the whole big planets and solar systems and stars and all that stuff. Meanwhile, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worry about my identity and work and, and everything that I do. I'm going to do my life my way. 
and I'm going to let you handle all the big stuff, God. And what happens is we end up looking foolish. We end up doing something, and it just doesn't work. Our beliefs and our feelings smack into reality, and they're not true because we've made a bad exchange. It's like my, my son, he's three years old. He'll, he'll ask me, I, I don't know why he does this. He'll ask me, Daddy, what's that noise? I'll say, oh, that's a bird. And he'll say, no, it's not. <laughs> son, you're three years old. I'm 36 years old. Why are you asking me if you're going to contradict me? Why? Listen, you can't even read. You can't even get dressed by yourself. And you're going to tell me what's what? How foolish do we look? We say, God, I know you're infinite, all-knowing, all-powerful, all places. But I think I know how to handle my marriage better than you. I think I know how to handle friendships better than you. I think I know how to handle my life better than you. God is the manufacturer. He's the patent holder. He's the writer of the operator's manual. But so often... We just make a bad exchange. And this is, this is what Paul is writing to the Romans. He says, and we exchange the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. We decide to go our own way. Here, here's the last part that I want to read from Romans. Romans 20, 1.24. Therefore God gave us over in the sinful desires of our hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of our bodies with one another. We exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. I want to I go back to, to verse 24 and just, just make sure we're clear on this. It, it, it says that God gave us over in the sinful desires of our hearts. Um, some translations of the Bible say that God gave them up uh, to the sinful desires of their hearts. Here's, here's what I want to make very clear to you. That does not say that God has given up on you. Okay? God has not given up on you. You've made a bad exchange. I've made a bad exchange. We've messed up. But the good news of the gospel, what's so amazing about grace, is that God has not given up on you. And God expects more failure from you than you expect from yourself. And he still says, I choose you. I accept you. And because of that, God gives us another chance, and another chance, and another chance, and you're on your 38th chance, and God has not given up on you. You need to understand that. The reason why you're here today is because God has not given up on you. The reason why you're alive today is because God has not given up on you. The reason why you're still married is because God has not given up on you. The reason why you're able to take your very next breath is because God has not given up on you. So God hasn't given up on you, but I will tell you this, God will give us over to ourselves. See, see when we go to God and we say, hey, I'm going to do things my own way, God doesn't give up on you, but he gives you up to yourself. He'll say, okay, fine, if you want to do that, do that. But when you hit a wall, when you fall flat, when it doesn't work out for you, just know I'm still here. And I'll be waiting here, not with judgment and condemnation. Not with a stern look, not with a pointing finger, but I'll still be here with arms wide open, ready to receive you back. See, God doesn't give up on us, but he does give us up to ourselves. And for some of you, 
the reason why your life is the way it is is because you're the one running it, right? You're the one making all the calls. You're the one making all the shots. You're the one coming up with all the truth in your life, and it's not, it's not working. It's not working. So instead of making a bad exchange, what we need to do is go back to the operator's manual and say, how do I need to live my life? There's two deals on the table. Will you follow your way or will you follow God's way? I don't know about you, but I've tried my way and it sucks. I want to follow God's way because he promises that when I follow his way, he'll lead me to the life I long to live. He'll help me become the man that I want to be. And, and, and listen, I got I to gotta explain all this because here's, here's what we need to understand when it comes to truth. Over and over again, whenever society, whenever people exchange the truth of God for something else, which would be a lie, um, the first thing to go is always roles of gender. Is always... Um, the difference between men and women. Now, now listen, men and women are equal, but we're different. And those differences are good, right? But the first thing to go is, what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? This happens in every society when we trade the truth of God for a lie. And, and this isn't political. Like, I'm not reading from, from something that came from Washington last week. I'm reading from something that was written 2,000 years ago to the Christians in Rome. And so this transcends all of that. But what you see over and over again when you study societies that trade the truth of God for a lie is the first thing to go is what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? And what is a good man? And what is a good woman? And then society falls. And the reason why I spent the past, I guess it was 30 minutes, oh my goodness, time's going. The reason why I spent the past 30 minutes talking about this, laying this foundation about how we've made a bad exchange, how we've traded God's truth for a lie, is, is because what I'm about to talk about and what we're going to go over in this series, I'm going to give you God's truth and we're going to figure out ways to become good men. But I had to lay this foundation, here's why, because even if I give you God's truth, you won't believe it. Like, like, unless you understand that, that this is not a suggestion, what we see in the operator's manual, this is not some, some great things to think about, but this contains truth and we need to not exchange the truth for a lie. The, the reason why I took all this time to lay this foundation, here's why, is because even if I give you the truth, you won't believe it. And if you say, well, how do you, you know we won't believe Because if you believed it, you'd be living it right now. And we wouldn't need to do a series like this. So, so as we go through the, the next several weeks, and as I say what I'm about to say, we just need to understand this isn't a TED talk, right? Th th this isn't some, some nice suggestion that, hey, maybe you want to give this a shot. But like, if you're going to see a shift in your life, if you're going to become the man God has called you to be, then it's making the right choice to not make a bad exchange, but to live your life by the operator's manual. You know, last year, during the summer, I went on this, on this weekend retreat called Crucible, and I've, I've talked about it before, I'll probably talk about it a lot more, um, but I went on this weekend retreat called Crucible, and for me, it was, it was transformative. Um, that was where I discovered what it meant to be a good man. That was where I did some soul work, and I 
and I found out some stuff about me. My, my wife asked me, and I, I can't really tell you what happens at Crucible. You just got to experience it. But my wife asked me, hey, what, did, what happened at Crucible? What did you learn? What, what went on? And I, I just told her, I learned all the stuff you already knew about me. Right? <laughs> like, I just learned that about me. She already knew it. But it was like I looked in the mirror and I saw who I really was. And I, I had to do some work with that man in front of me. And it was transformative for me. And, and here's what I want to recommend for every man in this room. You owe it to yourself to at least check out Crucible and consider going sometime this year. It, it, it's life-changing for you, especially if you're ready for it. We'll ha we have information for it on our website. We'll also post about it on social media. And they even have a women's retreat as well. And so men, women, Crucible, I, I, like I can't recommend this more highly. But before I went to Crucible, I got a phone call from a man. And in that phone call, one of the questions that he asked me was, uh, what do you want? What do you want from this? What, what is it that you really want for yourself? Would you take a moment to write that down? What is it you really want for yourself? And then when I showed up at, at Crucible, they, they asked me that question again. What is it that you really want for yourself? And all throughout the weekend, they asked variations of this question. What is it that you really want for yourself? Why are you here? Why are you doing this? For me, I, uh, well, I want to be a better man. I want to be a better husband. I want to be the kind of husband that my, my wife loves to be with. I, I want to be a better dad. I want to be the kind of dad that my kids um, love to be with and, and look up to and want to be like. That, that's, that's what I want for myself. And, and, and so we ask this question, what is it that you really want for yourself? And then the follow-up question is this. If you, if you had that, what would be true about you? If you're a better man, if you're a better husband, if you're a better dad, what would be true of you? If you, if you had what you really want, what, what would be true of you? What would you have? I'd have confidence. If I was a better man, I'd have peace. I'd have, I'd have hope and direction and, and vision. And then, and then the final question is this, well, why don't you have it? So, so what you want is to be a better man, and you know what you would have if you achieved it, but why don't you have it right now? What's gotten in your way? What are the roadblocks? What are the obstacles? Why don't you currently have it? Because I'm scared. Because I don't know how. Because I'm lazy. I, I, I don't, I just, it would take work. Would you write these questions down? What is it you really want for yourself? If you had that, what would be true about you? And then why don't you have it? I want to give you some homework later on to, to answer these questions. Because as you answer these questions, it'll help you discover uh, how you can go on this journey to become the man God has called you to be, the man that you want to be. And the truth is this, God gives us everything we need so that we can have what we want. God gives us everything we need to have what we long for and live it, but we often don't believe it because we're living something else. And the goal in this series is to come face to face with these obstacles that are stopping you from being the man God has called you to be, to do some work with the shadows in your life. That's the goal of this series. The goal in this series is to have these looking in the mirror moments, right? You, have you had a moment like this? Where, where you go in the bathroom and you look in the mirror and there's a man staring back at you and you just ask him, why are you like this? What's wrong with you? 
And sometimes it's even hard to look him in the eyes, but you have this looking in the mirror moment where you're just looking and say, why are you still doing this? Why are you like this? Why are you giving in to that addiction again and again? You're better than this. Why did you make her cry again? What's wrong? Have you ever had these moments? These are the moments that we want to have throughout this series. Because that's what's going to lead us to change. And I wish I could say that after you have a moment like that, you can just walk out of the bathroom and everything is great because you love Jesus and he loves you and everything's going to be great. But really, what, what's going to lead to change in that moment is, is what you decide to do several seconds after you leave that mirror. See, what we want to do throughout this series is we want to have vision, intent, and strategy. If we're going to change and be the men God has called us to be, we need to have vision that we see from the operator's manual. This is the kind of man I want to be. This is what it means to be a good man. Intent. This is that looking in the mirror moment where you say, that's it, I've had it, I'm done. And then strategy. Here's what I'm going to do to move forward. So I want to go over these just real quick to, to flesh these out. Men, I want you to think about a role that you play in this world. What's a role that you play in this world? Whether you're a, a husband, a dad, a son, uh, a coach, a brother, a friend, a teacher, whatever role you play in this world. And I want you to pick the one role that means the most to you right now. Now I want to ask you, what kind of man do you want to be when it comes to that role? What kind of husband do you want to be? What kind of dad do you want to be? What kind of coach do you want to be? What kind of brother do you want to be? What kind of friend do you want to be? What kind of 16 year old who goes to that high school do you want to be? Who do you want to be? What do you want to be? Get a vision. What if, what if your wife looked at you and said, hey I don't know what God was thinking when he said it's good, but I think he was talking about you because you're a good man what if what if your kids said about you uh, that we just feel so loved and protected and we love to be around you thank you for being our dad what if your girlfriend said to you would you please propose because you are such a good man I feel so loved and protected and cared for when I'm with you what if the people at your job said you are just a joy to work with and we love being around you? What kind of man do you want to be? Get a vision. Here's the kind of man that I want to be. I'm going to come back to intent in a moment, but I want to skip over to strategy. Strategy. If we're going to see a change in our life, we have to develop a strategy and get some practical steps in our life. So here's, here's a strategy I want to give you. Uh, first, we start with truth. And so again, we go back to God's operator's manual. We read the Bible to learn and recognize the definition of truth. And you say, well, I don't know what to read. In the Bible app that we have, if you download it, we'll have Bible reading plans for you to start with. You can start with the passages that come from the sermons. So you say, I don't know what to read. That's how you can know what to read. If you say, well, it's so hard. I don't understand uh, what the Bible is saying. That's why, number two, you apply and train. You say, I'm going to be in church to hear how God's word and truth are applied to real life. So not only am I going to read the operator's manual, but I'm going to show up in church to see how do I apply this to my life? How do I live this out? And then number three, got to get to work. 
getting to work is this. You gladly assume sacrificial responsibility to learn and be prepared to do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. That's your job, men. Your job is to gladly assume sacrificial responsibility so that you can do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. You cannot lay down and die. You cannot be a victim. You cannot pass the responsibility on to someone else. That's your responsibility. I don't know if you've taken a picture of this yet. This is picture worthy. And then finally, you got to get support. I believe there's no way that you can be the man God has called you to be. You cannot be a good man on your own. And so many of us, man, we just try and power up. We just try and do it on our own. You can't do it on your own. You got to get support. You got to get involved with some other men who are going to help you in this journey, who are going to support you and lift you up through this journey. Here's what I find fascinating. We're in this group right now. Uh, my wife and I are leading two separate groups. She's leading a group called Becoming Mrs. Right. It's all about how to, how to have a great marriage, how to succeed in your marriage. Uh, this is for people who are, who are dating uh, and, and people who are married. And I'm leading a group called Becoming Mr. Right. And uh, so there's guys in my group, girls in her group. Here's what I find fascinating. In her group, 25 women signed up. In my group, 13 men signed up. Do you see the disconnect there? There are some ladies who are saying, I want to become Mrs. Right in my relationship. And there are some men who say, I don't care. There are some ladies who are saying, I'm going to make it a priority to see what I can do. And there are some men who are saying, no, nah, I'm good. I'll figure it out on my own. There are some ladies who are begging for their men to come find out how to be good men. And they're unwilling to do it. We've traded the truth of God for our own, for our own truth. I'll figure it out on my own. Guys, we've got to step up. We've got to rise up. The way you do that is by having a vision, developing a strategy. Let me go back to intent. Intent is when you have this moment where you look in the mirror and you say, that's it. I'm not living like this anymore. I'm not going to lay down anymore. I'm not going to... Uh, underutilize my masculinity anymore. I'm not going to misuse and abuse it anymore. Intent is where you draw a line in the sand and you cross over it and say, I used to be this way, but now I'm this way. Intent is when you cross over the thin red line. And we're going to give you a chance to do that at the end of this series. But you say, I used to be this way. I'm not anymore. From this day forward, things are going to change. I'd rather die than go back to how things used to be. I am going to rise up and be the man God has called me to be. And it's time to do that. The way we do it, though, is to refuse to make a bad exchange. To go back to the operator's manual. So I'm going to live what your word says, God. Because that's going to make me the man I've been called to be. I want to help you have a moment of intent right now. Would you take a moment to, would you stand up? Would you, would you just stand up? And, and I want to invite you this week to do the homework I've given you. I gave you three questions. What is it you really want? What kind of man, what kind of woman would you be if you had it? And what's, what's holding you back? Um, but right now, I, I want to I help us have this moment of intent where we take control and we decide. So, so I'm going to say some lines here. And I want you to say these after me and just say it with the emotion you feel, whatever emotion comes with this, these lines. 
I am a victim of my past. Yeah, we say this every day, don't we? Now I want you to say this. I am not a victim of my past. Which one feels more powerful? That second one, huh? Yeah. What's the message you're telling yourself? Here we go. My life will never change. I choose to change my life. Yeah. I want a different future. I am choosing to choose my future. I want to change my future. Watch me change my future. That's more powerful, isn't it? That's when you rise up, you take accountability and you take responsibility. Men, somebody lied to you at some point. You are so strong, but somebody said to you that your future just contains more of your past and you've believed it and become a victim. Women, somebody looked at you and they said you're not worth it, but they were wrong. Let me tell you this morning why I came. I drove here to the Norva so I could stand on this stage to proclaim God's truth over you so that you know who he says you are. You are more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens you. You can do all things through Jesus. You are the first and not the last. You are the head and not the tail. You are not what your past is, but you are who God says you are. You may have given up on yourself, but God has not given up on you. You can rise up and be the man, be the woman God has called you to be. Don't exchange the truth for a lie. for listening. We pray God inspires, challenges, and motivates you to become greater through what you've just heard. Again, be sure to check us out at wearetherising.com. Remember, your best days are still ahead.